Gavin Rowley to kick off from left to right from their own 35-yard line. He runs up the ball and lays into it. End over end kick. Maybe will field it at the six-yard line on the far side. Running along the numbers past the 20-yard line. 25, 30, 40. Still along the sideline. He's got no men to beat. 30, 25, 20. He's going to go all the way. Touchdown, Fordham Rams. Snap. Fakes the handoff. Drops back. Fires over the middle. Wide open to see right at the 50. He's at the 40. Nobody to beat. They're trying to chase him down, and they will not. 10-5, end zone. Touchdown, Isaiah Seawright. And we would like to welcome all of our great listeners and Fordham Ram fans to another edition of the Monday Night Quarterback Program on this Monday, September the 25th, 2017. I'm James Cargan. My partner, as always, is Tommy Aldrich. And our guest, as always, is the head coach of the Fordham University Rams, Andrew Briner. Coach, how are we doing today? We're doing well. How are you? We're doing good. And uh, obviously, uh, this was a tough week. Uh, Bryant did uh, not go as expected. Uh, let's jump into some of the positives right away. There, there were some good takeaways from the game. Kevin Anderson, the Patriot League Offensive Player of the Week, just announced this week. Isaiah Seawright, who will be on the show uh, later on, had a, had the game of his career. Uh, what else can you take away from this game? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, one, I'm going to go back to what I said, you know, before the game. Uh, we had our best week of preparation uh, up up until, you know, at, at that point of the season. Um, so that is a positive that we need to continue to build upon. Obviously, we need to prepare even better than we did last week. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, it was good to see Kevin um, settle in, play within himself. Uh, Isaiah was a, a guy that by game plan we expected to have a big day, um, and so it was good to see that happen. Um, it was good to get a couple offensive linemen back uh, and, and play well. Um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, we did not play well enough defensively. Um, there were some spurts. There were some times where you saw the level of play that it's going to take to win football games. We need to do that on a consistent basis. Um, and, and the other positive as we, we open the show, um, a, a, a big explosive play on special teams with the, the kickoff return for a touchdown. So positives to take away, um, but certainly disappointing. Yeah, something I saw, Coach, from my perspective on defense, which I thought was super positive, was Dylan Mabin had an amazing game, not just the kick return, but being the lone starting corner this week, I thought he did a good job of stepping up. And there were a few batted down balls he had that I thought were perfectly timed. And uh, if you could talk a little bit about his sort of performance as the lone corner with the injuries you had there, and uh, and then a little bit about how the other guys responded uh you know, to having to be in a role they weren't familiar with. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, Dylan Dylan played at a high level. Um, I think Dylan's really played at a high level all season. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you guys hear me talk so much about preparation and, and how we practice and, and what our approach to practice is. Dylan is a guy that comes out each and every day to the practice field, and he's mentally, emotionally, and physically engaged full speed, and it shows up on Saturdays. Um, you know, the other guys that, that hopped in there, Bryce Petty, Marcus Hicks, Dervin Hilton, those guys hopped in, um, and, 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 and they played hard. They played hard. They, they, they did some good things. Uh, inexperience uh, showed at times. Um, but, but you know, that, that's, 
that's where we are right now. Um, you know, we, we have to play. You know, next man in has to has to come in and, and play at a high level. And, and speaking of a rotation, this has been a a unique season for you since you've been here with all the different guys that have had to step in to a role that they were not expected to play uh, before the season. Uh, talk to me about you know what that's like and and what kind of challenge it, that poses. Yeah, the you know the the challenge is is, is you're constantly um, looking at at your personnel and, and figuring out based on who you have or who you expect to have that week what we can do to put those players and all of our all of our players in a position to be successful. Ultimately, that's our job as, as coaches is, is to put these guys in a position to be successful. Yes, it's more challenging when that, that personnel rotates and, and changes on a week-to-week basis, but that that's football. Um, and we're, we're certainly not the first team that's ever had to deal with it. We certainly won't be the last. Um, there's positives to it. There's there's an opportunity for some guys to gain experience. There's some ga- opportunity for guys to develop, guys to get reps either in game or even in practice um, to, to start their development at, a, at an earlier date. Um, my hope is, is as, as we get guys back, um, get guys healthy, that as we enter you know, the, this last non-conference game and, and then into, into the Patriot League play, that you know, when we do get healthy, now we have a roster filled with guys with game experience. And, and you know, that, that, is, that is valuable. It's critical uh, when you get to that month in November when you're, when you're battling for a league title. And, Coach, I think you've guys, you guys have done a really good job on offense replacing some of the bodies that have gone down. Austin Longy, you lose a guy who you might have mentioned the other week, 4-4 guy, uh, Chase Edmonds, obviously. Guys like Prince stepping up. Seawright stepping up really this week, and you guys have put up the points that I imagine you'd like to see put up, generally speaking. Defensively, seems like where the concerns start to pop up, and someone in a rotation I'm interested in is one that I'm not sure necessarily has to do with an injury, but the rotation between Max and Glenn at linebacker. Is there any rhyme or reason to when either one is in? Glenn is the starting middle linebacker, and, and Max spells him um, mm-hmm. if needed. So that that's the rotation there. Got it. I want to ask uh, uh, about something that Bryant did uh, in this past week's game. They were very, very aggressive, especially on fourth down. They would go. They go. They went for it at least. I remember twice deep in their own territory, which surprised me. But they. They executed. They converted. Were you surprised at how aggressive they were? No. Uh, again, I, I think I mentioned last week. Uh, Coach Perry and I are are, are friends. Um, we've talked football many times. Um, you know, he's a, he's an aggressive and aggressive play caller. Um, so I, I wasn't surprised by it. Um, you know, not to to speak out of turn, but I, I think they were. You know, we were the favored team in the game. Um, and when you look at, at analytics and, and things like that, it'll tell you that if you are the underdog, um, that you need to be more aggressive with your fourth down decision making, depending on where you're at in the field. So I, you know, one, once he went for it once deep in his own territory, you knew he was going to keep going for it. That's a really good response, Coach. I think that makes total sense when you're talking about playing a team that's probably at a higher level than you are. Those are things that you got to do. The craziest thing to me was, of all the plays that I, that I did not expect, 
was maybe one of the last fourth down tries they had, which was no, excuse me, it could have been third and it was third and twelve, and they had the opportunity to I thought maybe take some clock, some serious clock off the field, and again third and twelve, and I said, all right, they've been being aggressive all game, but then they go for the big shot. And that was the play call that I really went. Wow, they are. I mean, they are not holding back at all. Yeah, no, they they were they were playing to win, um, as both teams were, and, and they made they made those plays that that allowed them to to win the football game, and we did not. All right, coach. And uh, when we come back here on Monday Night Quarterback, we will discuss next week's affair at home in prime time, so to speak, with Yale, and all the intricacies that come with that. Stay with us. And we would like to welcome you to our Inside the Huddle segment where we will, where we get all of the, the insight from the players that are actually on the field. And today we have linebacker Glenn Cunningham and tight end Isaiah Seawright. Guys, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Isaiah, I want to start with you because you had your the absolute breakout game in the loss to Bryant. I, I want to play uh, the your highlight of the game right now. First down and 10 for Fordham from the Bryant 12-yard line moving left to right. Two split out to the far side left. The snap. Fakes the handoff. Fires over the middle. And 10 for C right in the end zone. And it's caught for a Fordham Rams touchdown. Second of the game for Isaiah C. Wright. I'm not sure that was the one we were looking for, but nonetheless a good play. Uh, take us through that play a little bit. That was the second one. That was more of like a post. Um, yeah, it, the f- the first one was uh, actually Coach Brown checked to it. He did a good job of uh, seeing what the defense was in and get it, giving us a conducive look. Um, then I just broke out and made a play. That second one that we just went over just now uh, was a RPO run pass option. Uh-huh. So Kevin read, read it right. Uh, I broke open on the linebacker, and he just popped it over to me. And on that first one, how how sure were you you were making it to the end zone? Because I remember you, I saw you turn your head on a swivel like that, and I don't know if you were, like, looking back at the guy just to say, like, peace out, or, <laughs> or looking back just to generally see, like, is he going to catch me? No, I, I actually trusted my speed. It was kind of to uh, just be a little bit of a jerk to the yeah, guy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Him. That's what I'm talking about. I knew it. <laughs> Let's play that first one for you right now. The snap. Fakes the handoff, drops back, fires over the middle. Wide open is C-Right at the 50. He's at the 40. Nobody to beat. They're trying to chase him down, and they will not. 10-5, end zone. Touchdown, Isaiah C-Right. And there we have it, a two-touchdown effort for you, Isaiah. On what what uh, what was different about this week? Coach Briner uh, said that schematically he thought you would have a big game. What What was there from Bryant that caused you to go off like that? Um, I think it stemmed from the previous week against Eastern Washington where they held me to zero catches. So I think after watching film, Brian wasn't putting a huge emphasis on me. So we saw that in the film room and we saw looks that would be open against them and uh, we took advantage of it. Was uh, was Were you an emphasis from Eastern Washington's game plan? Um, I, I believe I was. Um, we I was before the game started, but they were – Showing looks that they hadn't shown before, so they were able to eliminate me out of the game. So, and Glenn, as as a freshman, you know, coming into coming into this role and taking over as the starter, did you expect to to be that what to be this role from day one? Um, I didn't expect it, but uh, you know, uh, things happen. We've had injuries. Um, 
I've, you know, just been working and things been working out, so. Yeah, I got to say, Glenn, for anyone out there listening and all the guys back there, and James knows, I don't think I've said anyone's name on the broadcast more than Glenn Cunningham. And, and to me, it's that every time you seemingly make contact with a ball carrier, I said this on the first couple of shows, it's that your you know your body is literally like horizontal and you're exploding and chances are it's in the backfield. How are you able to – I feel like you react so quickly and you see a lot of stuff happen and you go. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not a, the biggest linebacker, so I like to throw my body around, uh, which is – kind of what I do. So, I mean, uh, I read the guards, see the play, and just kind of throw my body around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and h- how d- does Ma- – it's no surprise Max Roberts had a really good year for this Fordham team. How do you guys complement each other potentially at that at the linebacker spot when he comes in versus you? And is, do you complement each other? Do you do things differently? Um, absolutely. I think that uh, Max is a bigger linebacker. Uh, I think he's more of a – downhill uh he's a great blitzer so i mean they'll put him in on third downs they'll uh blitz him a lot yeah. um he's got great technique blitzing so i mean i think they use us both uh the way we need to be used so yeah i wouldn't say you're a small guy by the way but it's interesting that you mentioned that you're not necessarily the biggest linebacker because out there you could be looking like a free safety when i see you just your body type so the fact that you can be that fast yet that physical is very impressive thank you I want to ask about uh, the big play that you made in the game. You're, you're already laughing. And it was the interception that we returned for about 60 yards, and that was it. The play ended right there. Nothing else happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how, tired, how tired were you after that play? I was very tired, and uh, I think the worst part for me was after I uh, had the interception I fumbled it. I realized, wow, we got to go back on the field right now, too. So. <laughs> I mean, that was like, I felt like I was talking to James, like, mid-August out there and humid as heck. How does mm-hmm. that uh, affect the the game? And were you guys, like, really hot out there? Um, I, I think at the start of the game, it wasn't too bad, but towards the second half. Yeah, like, it did. It kind of, like, progressed. It, it, it felt like it was getting hotter and hotter yeah. out there. Um, so, I mean, it played a, fact, uh, a factor into the game probably towards the fourth quarter, but the beginning of the game, I, I felt fine personally. Yeah, yeah, we're we're all both of us, and probably all four of us are pleased that we're having a night game uh, on as a month on Absolutely. Saturday. Uh, let's let's look ahead to Yale and to this week's game because, of course, the most important game is the next game, and you guys haven't had the start that you've wanted. There's been a lot of adversities. There's been a lot of humps that you've had to jump through with injuries, Chase going down. Uh, guys on defense, Jesse Bramble went down. He missed the game, and others went down as well. Uh, what, what is, what do you have to do to overcome that and get the job done this week? Um, I think despite our slow start, us obviously starting off one and three, um, a lot of the error that we made isn't from game planning or effort or anything like that. It's mental mistakes. Like last week, you could or. Two days ago, you saw that we had two touchdowns called back. Yes. That hurt us bad. Um, I think we just have to be more locked in and focused when it comes to game day because during the week of preparation, I feel like we're really locked in during practice and we're each pushing each other going hard. I just think come game day, we have to make sure we stay locked in for all four quarters and just stay on everyone to make sure that they're playing to their best mentally and physically. Yeah, this upcoming game against Yale, 
how much are you, are you guys excited for Under the Lights? Because I'm sort of excited for that game. And we were talking about it with Coach Briner. Sort of takes you back to like Friday Night Lights a little bit. You think that's going to add some energy to the game potentially? Uh, I think it will for sure. The last time I played Under the Lights was, uh, well, well, Villanova my freshman year here was the last time I played Under the Lights, and wow. that was a crazy atmosphere. I um, I'm unbelievable. That was the monsoon game. Yeah. Oh, boy. So that just gets, gets me juiced for the game coming up in itself. I mean, the last time I played under the lights was uh, in high school. So, so not too long not ago. Too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> and we would like to thank the two of you for giving us the time uh, on Monday Night Quarterback and best of luck uh, against Yale. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you for having us. And we are now into our X's and O's segment of the Monday Night Quarterback program. And to my right is the offensive line coach of the Fordham University Rams, Tommy Galt. Coach, how are you doing today? No, I'm doing well. Doing well. Long day of game planning, so let's get a little time away, hang out with you guys for a little bit. It's not a bad deal. It's the uh, life of a, a college football coach, absolutely. And coach, you've, you know, it's it's been a an interesting season from the offensive line front. Uh, at least two starters from opening day have uh, not started since, or have missed a bu- missed a decent amount of time since. What what challenges have that posed for you? Well, I mean, it, obviously that's the kind of stuff happens in college football these days, and, and we play a physical brand of football around here, um, and we try to go every game as hard as we possibly can, and injuries occur. So we uh, we just try to do the best we can. You know, I tell the guys every single week, in our unit we're represented by the five guys on the field every single snap, and uh, we're going to put the best five out there we can possibly get, and, and those guys represent us as a unit, as a whole, and uh, the work we put in and the attitude we try to – approach the game with so that's kind of who we are and what we do all right well coach you already set the stage for what i really wanted to ask you so talking about having five best guys on the field Mm -hmm. i am a fan of the new york giants i watched them they got a bad offensive line Mm -hmm. what happens with their offensive line is that when someone goes out when let's say uh their left guard goes out they got to move their best player left tackle to right guard because they figure we can't afford to, you know, put him somewhere else. What I want to ask you is, do you believe players are, do you believe in natural tackles and natural guards? And ideally, if a tackle goes down, do you want to replace him with who you think is the next best tackle? Or are you going to put the next best body out there and make him play tackle? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of the techniques and a lot of the concepts coexist with each other as far as tackles and guards. For the most part, the way I think about it is this, is you play Madden, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you play Madden, your starting running back goes down and they give you a little option to say, this guy's an 82 being injured uh, and the backup is a 75 being injured. You want to put the guy that's got the best chance to be successful. So you want to put the 82 out there. Yep. So if your left tackle is an 82 at right guard uh, and your backup right guard is a 75, you're going to put the 82 in there and you're going to put the, the 80 at left tackle in there. So That's a real good response, Coach. <laughs> that's that, that's, kinda, that's, that's kinda, a great analogy. That's, that's like exactly... How it works. That's that's what, you do what you got to do. Yeah. So uh, and the techniques, like I said, the techniques are um, are pretty similar in, in both spots. So uh-huh. and Anthony Coyle, talk about the things he brings to the table because when I'm I'm watching him from from my perspective, and you know I got hurt last week or whatever, we don't know what the status is, but when he's on the field, he's a mauler. Do you like him in the pass game or the run game? Uh, what do you think his strengths are? Well, well, Suge is actually, you know, awesome kid. You know, he does a great job for us in practice and, and in games. Um, ultimately, he, he likes being physical mm-hmm. and playing off his line. That's what you got to do. And, and he takes that approach to the run game and the pass game. So, um, 
you know, we really use his his expertise, which is uh, which is being physical and running his feet uh, in the run game, uh, and and then pass pro we lean on him a little bit too. But uh, I think his biggest strength right now uh, for us is is what he does in the run game. Uh huh. Do you is there a style? What style of offensive lineman do you like to recruit? Um, the big, mean, nasty, athletic ones. <laughs> is there? Well. Ideally, of course, but is there is there a certain type? Is there a certain frame of guy that you everybody would love to you know get Tyron Smith on their team? Yeah. But you know, it, is is there a specific brand of offensive lineman that you like, or are they? Is it or does that even exist? Yeah, yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a brand we look for in offensive lineman. You know, uh, you look for body types. You look for you know obviously the prototype first, and, and then you go like we talked about before, the best available after that. You know, recruiting wise. Um, the last few years we've gone with longer players, you know, guys that have more height, more length, uh, more ability to gain weight. Uh, and in our freshman class, we, we have some of that. You know, we have Nick Sakel, who's a six foot six guy, about 287 pounds right now, um, playing some football for us as a true freshman. And then Will Conley's a guy in his class as well that's a six seven, um, little on the lighter side, but has the ability to put on a bunch of weight. So um, we, we've looked for that. Um, and obviously, you know, that, that's something we look to continue in the future. So six foot six, two eighty as a freshman. That's pretty good. And you think could you see him? I mean, could you see him at three fifteen senior he, year? He's he's a big boy. You yeah. know, you, you'll see him out there. Obviously, walking the field on Saturday. He, he's a big human being. So uh, mm-hmm. we're looking forward to him continue to grow and mature. I mean, he's only eighteen years old right now. So I, I remember yeah. when I was eighteen, I had a lot of growing to do. Yeah. So uh, obviously, well, I hope know. I have a lot of growing to do. I'm twenty one, but. <laughs> Anyway, uh, <laughs> as I watch football, college, and the NFL, I want to hear your perspective, your take on this. I don't, I, I don't want to make this claim. I'm not making this claim, but I want to throw it out there that is it possible that there, not a talent shortage is a bad way to put it, but let's be honest. If you're a kid, if you're six foot three, you know, or whatever, if you're a big body and you want to. Where's the money? Where's the fun? I think the best athletes on any given football field right now could be the guys coming off the edge. You know, someone who's big enough to be a defensive lineman, but fast enough to be twitchy and beat you off the snap. And that pays in the NFL, and that gets popularity in the NFL. And we all know what, you know, offensive lineman isn't the sexiest position on the field. Is it possible that kids... Are there are there a lack of bodies for uh, from a recruiting perspective, or do you find more kids are going to defense before well, offensive line? Well, defensive ends are obviously, you know, they're very unique. Um, I mean, you look at athletes all across the world, and you look at different sports and how they play and, and what they look like and their body types. And, and there's not an athlete in the world like a tight end defensive end. I mean, those guys are big, they're tall, yeah. they're strong, they're fast. I mean, you know, the sprinters are short and can run. Um, DBs are very similar body types. You know, sumo wrestlers, for example, are bigger guys that move people, offensive linemen are that. But but tight ends, DNs, linebackers, guys that are 6'3", six, 6'4", six, there's not a lot of people like that walking around the world. So obviously they're they're a, a hot commodity in recruiting, um, mm-hmm. and, and that's why they make a lot of money, you yeah. know, at the next level. And they have the ability to change games. You know, I, I was in South Carolina and, we had Jadavion Clowney, obviously, and he he's a different type of athlete than than I've ever seen before. You know, he he's a big human that can run fast. He was yeah, really exactly what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. One more thing regarding the running backs, sir. First of all, I want to ask you guys: do you, Would you say, if, from my perspective, I would say you guys have a tendency to run 
in between the guards more so than stretch outside tackle. One, is that true, or am I completely wrong, or you don't want to reveal it, whatever. And secondly, would you change, not necessarily that you're calling the plays, but is it taken into consideration who's rushing the ball, Zach Davis or Palladino, and what kind of run play they would get? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we look at all those guys and try to put them in the best situation that we could possibly put them in as far as having the ball in their hands. And we look at their strengths and their weaknesses and what they do well and what offensively we can do to accommodate their strengths. And that's a big part of game planning, and that's what we're going through right now, obviously, with uh, Yale. And uh, we'll do that every single week um, from now until forever. That'll, that'll be something you always look to do. It's, it's very personnel-based as far as who you have and what you can do. For me, it's, you know, obviously in football – the off season is a place where you get better, you get bigger, you get stronger, mm-hmm. you know. But offensive linemen, that is especially true mm-hmm. because of the um, the size that you need to be and the strength that you need to have to play that position. What kind of off season program do you have for off- your offensive linemen? Yeah, well, we did a lot of work this off season, and those guys, credit to them, they do a great job in the summertime and uh, in the springtime. And I told them at the end of the summer, I said, hey, listen. You guys are the hardest working dudes on this campus, you know, top to bottom. You know, nobody works harder than them. They come in early morning every single day, and they get their lifts and their runs. They do their classes, and then they come back again in the afternoon. Um, and it's drills on their own, obviously with their teammates and, and doing drills with me when prohibited by the NCAA. So it's a lot of tough work. Uh, we try to take out the monotony, so we're not going to do the same drills in the summertime we do in fall camp, and we're not going to do the same drills in fall camp we do in the season. There's some carryover. But for the most part, we want to break it up so they're not doing the same drills for 10 months out of the year. Um, everything we do is going to try to make them the best player we can be, and we want to just continue to develop those techniques and fundamentals uh, in season, off season, uh, all the time, really, because that's that's such a big part of playing offensive line. Now, you mentioned your time at the University of South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, under the old ball coach, Steve mm-hmm. Spurrier. What kind of a character is he? Coach Burr is awesome. You know, I, I was there three seasons, had a blast working for him uh, and his staff. We had a lot of really good players and had some pretty good teams. But uh, but he's a character. There's no question about it. And uh, the way I always describe Coach is that he is a very, very smart football coach, um, and he's about 20 years ahead of his time. You know, the things that people are doing now football-wise, schematically, that you're seeing every single day from these past happy teams, you know, he was doing in the early 90s. Um, and our play, sick. our play calls in 2010 and 11, you know, we won 11 games in 2011, 2012. But our play calls then were the same play calls he was using with Warfel in 96 um, and with Duke in 1990. And some of the same stuff he was doing, some of the same routes. And uh, obviously we were at a national stage in the SEC having success with the same stuff. So it, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, he's an awesome character. There's no there's no question about it. My my favorite story about him is we played at LSU one year and we're sitting on the field before the game and he walks up to me and he just starts listing off all these games he had played there and all these games he had won there and all these magical moments he'd had there. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, Well coach, this is my first time here, so I'm I'm really appreciate the welcome. <laughs> so but he welcome awesome. to the Death Valley. <laughs> exactly. Awesome guy. He made he I remember the comment he made that he won more game that he's won more games at Tennessee than Tennessee has. I think he said that one time. Mm-hmm. But very interesting. And last question, uh, James Franklin. You were you played. You he was on the staff at Maryland when you played there. Mm-hmm. You were at Penn State uh, with with Coach uh, with Coach Franklin. What what kind of mentor has he been? I've known Coach Franklin a long time. You know, Coach Franklin recruited me out of high school. 
Um, I ended up playing for him, and then I ended up working for him. Uh, he's a very close family friend of mine, and he's a guy that, that I keep in contact with to this day still and for advice and, and just overall as a mentor. You know, the thing I'll say about him is he's a smart, smart, smart man, and he cares about his kids, his players, um, very, very much. And uh, obviously they got something going on pretty special over there. Had a big win that night, and, and you know, I get the first – a front row view of it because I have a twin brother and a dad that work on staff there currently. So I get a chance to stay in touch with that staff awesome. and uh, and That's find really out cool. what's going on with them all the time. Uh, a heart-stopping game that was <laughs> against Iowa the other night. Coach, thank you for giving us the time and good luck this week. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. And we are back here on Monday Night Quarterback with the head coach of the Fordham University Rams, Andrew Briner, this week is the last non-conference game of the season where you will host the Yale Bulldogs at Coffee Field. They've had a good start to the season, and they have beaten Lehigh uh, they quite comfortably. Lehigh with a shocking 0-4 start. That's a n- topic for another day. But what do you make of this Yale team? This is a, a very good Yale football team. Um, you know, I think their strength is in their experience. Uh, you look at both sides of the ball, they return a lot of starters, um, you know, and, and they've they've complemented that, so to speak, with some freshmen and some young guys that are that are really talented and, and playing at, at a very high level. Um, so they're they're experienced. They're well coached. They play. They play extremely hard. They play physical. Um, they play with a lot of passion and emotion. Um, so they'll present. They'll present a great challenge for us this week. You think under the lights is gonna have a little ex- added excitement? I mean, to me, it does. A yeah, little, a little bit. Yeah, no, I I think so. Um, you know, my time here, my time coaching college football um, over over the last eleven years, uh, the the student athletes certainly get a little little pep in their yeah. step. Um, you know, the, the the lights are fun. You know, for all of us that that were a part of high school football. Um, you know, in many parts of the country, if not most, um, you play you play those high school games on Friday nights underneath the yeah. lights, and and I I think there's a little bit of a you know a sense of of going back to that and, and the, the passion and the, the 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 feeling you have when you're playing you know high school football so yeah I, I think it'll be exciting um you know coaches don't like night games because it's a long time to sit around <laughs> and wait to play yeah. um you know if you ask any football coach they'd say 10 a.m kickoff sounds great um <laughs> but but no it'll be it'll be great our, our our guys will be excited um hopefully we'll uh, we'll have a great turnout um you know in in the stands pack the jack and 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 have a great great night i think you will often Oftentimes there there are some high school football games being played on Friday and Saturday nights here, and you can be walking, you know, on the other side of campus, but you hear the PA guy saying fourth and three or whatever. So I think you know kids may be milling around the campus on Saturday night. They're going to go to the football game, so I think it should be a big, big exciting crowd. That'll be sure. great. I, I'd love to see a great uh, turnout by the students. I'd love to see that student section filled up. Um, we we will uh, when we always we always play. We'll play better when when we have our, our, our students behind us. Absolutely. I want to ask you a little bit more about Yale. Uh, they had a couple guys rush for over 100 yards in the last game. Their quarterback only attempted 17 passes. That's a little different from what you've gone up against these past couple weeks with pass-happy offenses, Eastern Washington and Bryant. What kind of challenge does that pose, and is your defense, uh, which has not played up to the potential these past few weeks, what do they have to do to combat it? 
Yeah, um, you're you're right on. Uh, they they ran the football very effectively against Cornell, especially in the second half of the football game. When you when you watch the tape, when you look at the you know the the box score, so to speak, you know Cornell did a great job early in the game um, against the run. Um, you know what we need to do, and 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 what Cornell um, you know didn't do late in the game was we have to we have to play fundamental defense. Um, we have to play physical. We have to get off blocks. Uh, we have to tackle the tackle the ball, uh, the ball carrier, and, and get him to the ground. Those, those are the, that's how you stop the run. Um, there, there's not you know there's not a whole lot of magic to it. It's good old fashioned physical football. Absolutely, and you know it's the losing guys is tough. Jesse Bramble went down. Anthony Coyle went down uh, later in the game. Well. We've got Coach uh, Tommy Galt. Later on, we could ask about that impact, but it's just tough. It's we asked about this before, but I've I've got I've been on teams that have had injuries and have had departures for other reasons, and I think it just says a lot about the character of a team to fight through that and to keep playing every play like it's their last and. You know, guys like Marcus Higgs did step in mm-hmm. and, and play hard. So what does it say about the team? Yeah. Well, the first thing that I, I do want to state is by no means in any way, shape, or form are the injuries an excuse for the 1-3 and three record. Um, we, we are what our record says we are. Uh, we have to play at a higher level, and I'm confident that we will do that. I have been proud uh, of the guys that have stepped up. I'm proud of the team overall that, that we continue to fight and battle adversity. Um, that, that is so much of what, what life is all about, um, and, and it's a lesson that we're learning right now. But yeah, as you mentioned, James, it does speak to the character of the team. It speaks to who you are as an individual inside and, and who we are as a collective group that, you know, some things have not gone our way. Um, but, but you know, we, we get up the next day and we go right back to work. And that, that's all that, that we can do. And that's what this football team has done. That's what this football team will continue to do. Um, and, and I am I'm proud to, to be their head coach and, and excited every day to get up and go to work with them. Coach, thank you again for joining us here today. Uh, It's always a pleasure to have you on Monday Night Quarterback, and best of luck this week. Thank you guys very much. Well, Tommy, this this week is obviously a massive game for Fordham. I can't recall the last time that they've started one and three, let alone one and four. There's a lot to clean up. There's penalties that have to be cleaned up. There's gotta there's guys that need to be back in the lineup, but Fordham. We've seen them play with these guys in the past and even this year. When they're on, they can play with anyone. Yeah, and you just heard it from the players. The morale of this team is clearly uh, high, and uh, the players believe that they've made some mental errors that are easily fixable and that it's really all about going out and executing. And I think under the lights on a Saturday night at home could be the best place to get that started. It sure sounds like it, and that will do it for this week's edition of Monday Night Quarterback. Thank you, as always, to head coach Andrew Briner, offensive line coach Tommy Galt, Isaiah Seawright, the tight end, and linebacker Glenn Cunningham. Next Monday, another edition of Monday Night Quarterback, a look back at the Yale game and a look ahead to the Patriot League opener at Lafayette. We will have our X's and O's segment with one of the coaches and our Inside the Huddle segment with some of the players. Remember to tune in on Saturday night at 5.50 
as the Rams host the Yale Bulldogs on 90.7 FM and WFUVsports.org. And don't forget to tune in to one-on-one on Saturday at 1 p.m. on 90.7 FM, WFUV.org, and WFUVsports.org. And on Wednesday at 7 p.m. only on WFUVsports.org. Until those times, to my good partner, Tommy Aldrich, our engineer, John Furlong, and our producer, Charlie Manzano, this is James Cargan. Have a good week, everybody. Monday Night Quarterback is a production of WFUV Sports.